I was able to talk business with just people in my own life who I didn't think about them owning businesses, although they do. My neighbor down the street, they own a gym and they've owned a gym the whole time I've known them. Why did I never ask them about it before? We went to dinner and I'm like, talk to me about business, like running your own business. Give me all the details. From them, it branched out and I've created this cool circle of friends now who all own their own businesses. Welcome back, investor, to the next episode of Passive Income Adventures. And we're going on an adventure today with Christine from Frugal Fit Mom. I have known Christine for a couple of years and have been able to catch up with her as she has built success on her YouTube channel and then hear her story about what she figures out what to do with the excess capital. A lot of us are in that situation where we're lowering our, our expenses by living more frugally and we're also upping our game on the income side by doing some side hustles, by doing some investing, whether it's active or passive. And then as you create that abundance, just trying to figure out what do I do with this excess money? A lot of us are approaching our midlife and wondering how much longer, how many more years we can keep working or how many years we can keep hustling in a business and being able to shift some of those active streams of income to be more passive is something that we're all looking at. And Christine shares her story about how she's been able to do that through both making more money and by lowering her expenses. Plus, she goes on a lot of adventures that you are not going to want to miss hearing about how she's able to travel more with her family and just have more fun living life. We have Christine with Fit Frugal Mom on today. I am so excited to talk to her. I've really been enjoying her YouTube content, uh, especially the personal finance stuff. We came across it a couple of years ago when we moved into a smaller house and we were having to reorganize our lives. And a lot of her videos came in really handy during that process. And then I saw that she was also talking about personal finance. And one of the reasons we moved into a smaller house was so that we could be really aggressive with our personal finances and retire earlier. Christine, thank you for coming on the show. Can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, what you're up to and how you got to the point that you're at right now? Yeah, I guess I'll back it up because I didn't originally feel that way about money and finances and business. You know, I grew up in a standard American dream household. You know what I mean? Like if you go to college and then you work the job and you're loyal, you'll get the pension and you can retire at 68 and then maybe do a cruise or two. But you got to put in the work. You know what I'm saying? Like, you got to do this. And that was what was modeled to me. And I think that was pretty common for anybody that has baby boomer parents, yep. which I do. And I saw what was cool about it is my parents' generation. Okay. So I would say Depression Era were my grandparents. Is I was able to watch Depression Era and how important it was to get an education. Okay, so that's what the baby boomers kind of focused on. So they could make more money. Kind of moving away from blue collar jobs into white collar jobs is kind of what I watched. And I definitely watched it with my dad specifically because he was the only one in his family and still is to go to college mm -hmm. out of anyone in his family ever, first and only. And his earning potential compared to everybody else is vastly larger to the rest of his family. So I watched it with my own eyes, what education can do. And so I was raised with that, but I never knew what it meant to own a business or run a business. Um, that's not how I was raised. My husband wasn't either. So I did the standard college work, the job. Uh, my husband was a school teacher, so we didn't have any money, had a bunch of kids, moved again, decided to go back to school, get a business degree. Because uh, why the heck not? I'm like, what else am I going to do with my time? And in that process, I think I met a lot of people who owned businesses. And I was doing YouTube like kind of for funsies at the time. I made nothing. Like I was just making videos because I like videos and I like talking to people. Just putting up whatever made nothing. Like $2 a month, $10 a month. And YouTube doesn't pay out unless you hit $100. So it would be six months before I got a $100 payout from YouTube. So I like literally didn't make anything. 
for years. But as I was kind of doing YouTube and deciding I wanted to start being more successful because I was watching some other YouTubers make a little bit of money, some of them some of the financial ones would even share their YouTube income. They'd be like, I made $1,000 from YouTube this month. And I was like, what? How? How is that possible? I don't understand. And so I dug into YouTube a little bit more. And as I've become more successful online, I was able to talk business with just people in my own life who I didn't think about them owning businesses, although they do. And that sounds so dumb. But my neighbor down the street, they own a gym. And they've owned a gym the whole time I've known them for 10 years. But why did I never ask them about it before? We went to dinner and I'm like, talk to me about business, like running your own business. What's scary? What's awesome? Give me all the details. And then from them, it branched out and I've created this cool circle of friends now who all own their own businesses. They don't work traditional jobs. I mean, they trust me, they work, but they all own businesses. So I was able to cultivate a group of people who could teach me so much about a way of thinking that I had never done <laughs> earlier. My whole entire education, my whole life was not about this. Entrepreneurs think differently than everybody else. And they're not going to teach you this at school. I did not learn this from school. I learned it from people. So if you want to be that kind of person to maybe start a business, maybe have no ceiling on your income, you got to talk to people who do this stuff. Because I have two college degrees. Like I got excellent grades in high school, two college degrees, and I did not learn this doing that. It was more experience and people. Yeah, I definitely agree. And I think, you know, we both studied entrepreneurial management. And I was actually really surprised because I was already running a business when I went back to school and as a photographer. And I was making, you know, okay money, kind of like part-time money, right? And I get into here thinking, I don't know why I needed a degree in this. I'm already doing this. But again, what am I going to do with my time? I might as well take advantage of my kids getting older and go back to school. And what... I learned most in entrepreneurial management was how to manage somebody else's startup. And I got out of there thinking like, nobody taught me how to do any bookkeeping. At the end of it, it was mostly about managing somebody else's business. And I felt a little disappointed. I got in and I, I had to hire my accountant to teach me how to use QuickBooks because there was zero practical accounting. And as soon as I started networking with other real estate investors, just going to my local real estate club, it was amazing. Like they're out there doing it and they had so many people that they were using to help them. That's how I found my bookkeeper who taught me how to <laughs> keep my books. And and I wonder what is it in our society? What is it in our culture, especially as women that keeps us out of that entrepreneurial space? Because that's where the hustle becomes really worth it. I don't know why as I look back on my life, I'm like, how did I not learn any of this earlier? My husband and I talk about it too, because he didn't learn any of this from his parents either. And my husband was a school teacher. I think I said that before. And as we talk about, he doesn't do it anymore because you cannot raise a family. Like you cannot support a family on being a school teacher. And I know that sounds super harsh, but I just saw this thing on Instagram today. I just saw this today. I wish I could pull it up right now and find it. But the guy, it was some business guy and he took an Uber somewhere and the driver was a school teacher and the driver was driving for uber to make ends meet some man who's trying to support his family as a school teacher and the guy on instagram the businessman just went off on that every school teacher has to do side hustles and work every single break to make ends meet he had this epiphany about it right and i've known that since the beginning i've known that for over 20 years because my husband did it i've experienced it and so when i say that people are like oh that's not fair but I really don't think you should have to side hustle a regular job 
to feed your family. I think that's not cool, especially in a field like education where you have to go to college for four years, where you have to get a degree, where you have to be certified, you have to do student teaching in order to work and then get paid so low that you have to also drive for Uber to make ends meet. But that's how my husband was raised. That's how I was raised. I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know there was another option. And something else I've noticed, I don't know why we as women do this. I don't know. But what I've learned is that women put ourselves on sale all the time. All the time. We'll accept a lower salary. We don't fight for ourselves. I think probably because most women are agreeable and we don't want to cause a fight. I am not like that. I'm a disagreeable person by nature. And I, I argue the point sometimes. My brother taught me how to fight for myself. Mm-hmm. And I don't think women are taught that just as a character trait of women. But if you're going to work and be in business, you have to develop that really thick skin and learn that there is huge power in the word no. Like someone comes to you with an offer and you're like, yeah, I'm not going to, I'm going to pass. And when people are like, what? What what do you mean you're going to pass? You'll realize that you are worth more. And when you fight for that, You'll get the respect and the pay that you deserve. I've learned that a ton over the last few years. It's really interesting to watch. When I first started, I was scared to say no. That imposter syndrome, though, I'm I'm glad Mm -hmm. you brought that up because I hear men talk about imposter syndrome sometimes, but every woman I talk to has imposter syndrome. My daughter, she's Mm -hmm. in mechanical engineering school, and she says for her first job when she graduates, she's really hoping the woman thing will work in her favor because she feels like People want to hire for diversity and they want to have women in there, but it makes her doubt her own skill as an engineer, because if she does get hired, she's always wondering if it's because she was a woman versus if she was actually good at her actual job. And so fighting with that, because you said you fought with that a couple of years, you went to business school. They didn't really teach us how to run a business (laughs) or how to dream bigger and be the entrepreneur. So when you make that shift finally and you start talking to business people and you start learning through networking, which again is the most powerful way to do it, what kind of barriers did you have to break through as far as that imposter syndrome goes to be able to say, no, look, I actually deserve to make money. I'm spending time at this, taking time away from my my family. I better be making money at this if it's going to be worth my time. And kind of getting around that corner where you could finally open up and be more successful. It has taken me years and sometimes I still feel like Oh, let's say a sponsorship on my YouTube videos, okay? Someone will come at me and they'll make me an offer and I'm like, wow, that's pretty good. I would be okay with that. But when I look at the data for the size of my channel and the views that I get, I know it's on the low side. Mm -hmm. So sometimes it is very challenging and my amazing husband is so supportive because I'm like, this is what they're offering. I'm thinking about saying no. and, And there's a part of me that's like, how ungrateful am I? Like, how ungrateful? You jerk (laughs) for not just being grateful for these offers at all. Yeah. But my husband's so supportive. He's like, no, if you, if you think you deserve more or you don't want to fit it into your schedule because you're busy, Mm -hmm. then just say no. And he's always like, we don't need the money. You can say no because we don't need it, which is amazing. So it gives me more courage Mm -hmm. to put my foot down and say no. And sometimes they take the no and they leave. And sometimes they come back with a double offer double what they originally offered me because them as a business what I know is they're trying to give you the least amount of money as possible so they're offering you probably under like Mm -hmm. under their low budget 
And if you say no, like I'm worth more than that, I'd say 80% of the time they come back with a higher offer. That's what I've experienced. That That's really interesting to me from the point of view where what you said is like, if you don't need the money, you start acting differently. And I say this mm -hmm. a lot about passive income and people who are looking to retire early. The second you don't need that job anymore, your attitude about the job completely changes. My husband used to say, no, I don't want to retire early. I love my job. I really feel like we're building something important, blah, blah, blah. But when I started earning enough passive income that he could even think about leaving, suddenly he's, his tune changed. Like, oh, I'm getting so sick of this. I don't, I don't see myself doing this when I'm 65. That type of language. And so the difference between the entrepreneur mindset and the investor mindset is vast. Like you said, entrepreneurs think differently. Investors think differently. So it's unusual to find someone like you who is both an entrepreneur and thinking ahead to be an investor. Most entrepreneurs are like, well, if I want more money, I'll just go make more money. And I don't want to spend the time learning about investing because I'm so busy in my hustle. And so where did you find yourself making that pivot to say, hey, I'm making more money now than I was expecting. Instead of raising my lifestyle, I'm going to invest the rest of it. So what's interesting about that and what you're saying is if you don't need it, you don't feel that desperation mm -hmm. to say yes or put yourself on sale. Like you, you'll come across as greedy is not the right word. Desperate. desperate. You come across as desperate. And that's not a good look when you're doing business negotiations. Yeah. And what's great about my lifestyle is it's kind of stayed the same through my income growth. I spent 16 years being the wife of a school teacher. I know how to live on nothing. I know how to feed my family on nothing. I know how to do fun activities with my family on nothing. I know how to live cheap. And what's great about that is you don't actually need a lot of money to live an awesome life. And so when I have all this extra money coming in that I don't need because I know how to live on very little, I'm thinking, well, part of me is like, well, this could go away tomorrow, so I better not blow it all. Uh, I really respect it. How about that? I respect the money that's come in quite a bit. I wanted to be really smart with it and mm -hmm. set myself up for later in case my income ever dried up and went away. I was like, what could I do? Real estate, duh, that feels so obvious. So I bought a couple of properties to try it out. And let me tell you what, there's nothing scarier than that first one, right? Yes. yes. <laughs> that first one, like you're in knots and you're signing the papers. Like we got a mortgage on them because we got like a 3% interest rate oh, yeah. on on the two uh, houses that we bought. Um, and so now I'll never, <laughs> I'll never sell them <laughs> because they're so low in interest. Am I right? Yeah, yeah. You're never gonna find them again. <laughs> no, never again. Oh, good times. But you know, it's just so scary. And you see like what you owe and you're like, can I even get a renter? But what I what I found this is so interesting on our first one is our renters kind of fell into our lap randomly. Mm. So we did our first one and I think we had signed the papers that day. And then I'm at the gym doing my workout and this girl I knew, they were remodeling their house. They were planning on living in it. And the contractor was like, actually, we're going to have to gut it. So you're going to have to move out for like eight months. And she had a couple kids and she was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Like, where am I going to go? And I was like, you know, I actually just purchased <laughs> a house to rent if you, if you want to look at it, you know? And so she came over, we talked about price and she was like, when do I need to move out? But because I, I didn't have anything, I was like, stay until your contractor is done. Like if he goes long, whatever. Yeah. We'll just run it month to month and it'll be whatever. Mm -hmm. And, and when they moved out, we did a, a cleaning, you know, fixed a few things. And I had a few people apply. You know, 
I did an open house. So I had people come in so I could meet them. And I run background checks on everybody. And there was this one couple that on paper, they were the right pick. Okay. And I met, I met them in person and I'm like, eh. I don't like the vibe. Like okay. I couldn't even put a finger on it. It was just my gut. But there was this other family that on paper did not look good. But when I met them, I'm like, you know, these, these are the kind of people that just need a chance and I feel really good about it. They've been in there for two years. They're amazing. They're like the best tenants ever. Yeah. I, I think because we do a lot of rent to own on our mm -hmm. homes because I'm about passive income. I don't want to manage a rental. All mm -hmm. right. So I'll pick up a house from a wholesaler in my real estate club or something and I will fix it up and I'll just put it on the market as a seller finance deal. And the ones who are interested in seller finance, they need a second chance. They can't yes. get a mortgage for whatever reason. And so it's a very different vetting process that we go through. But sometimes, I, because you're giving them that second chance, sometimes they just really rise to the occasion. Some of my best tenants are the ones who are doing rent to own because they are so excited that mm -hmm. they're getting the opportunities. Okay, so kind of catch us up to the present. Um, you've got your rental business going alongside your digital media business. Mm -hmm. um, kind of tell us about what that looks like right now, like what you are working on currently and kind of what your days look like. What are your current goals that you're trying to knock out? financially current goals is I'm always looking for more property. I'm with you on the management. I feel like yeah. if I get another, I might be able to manage one more, but I really don't want to. So like, yeah. as we look into more properties, I was like, okay, the money has to make sense and to have someone else manage it for me. Cause I'm about tapped out on that mental capacity, mm -hmm. but I am always looking. There was actually one that I saw it on a Sunday. It went up for sale and I was like, oh, this one would be amazing. And it had sold by Monday night because I hesitated for a day. Yeah, and so I was like, "Dang it, it's <laughs> fast." I knew, I knew that one was a deal. So I'm, I'm still kicking myself for not like jumping on that one. But you know what? You know what I've learned is there's always another deal, and That's so cool. I'm just gonna wait. Uh, we've considered buying something else for our own family and renting out our current house. Mm -hmm. uh, just never had anything. It's not that I want like a bigger house or anything like that. Just maybe different as my kids start to move out and we move into empty nester stage. Yeah. It feels very different than having young, small kids all the time. Yeah. Want a little land. Wouldn't that be nice? Like yes. have, have some chickens or something like that. It's more about just a different house and maybe some land. Slightly different, like a little out of the city a bit. So I'm always looking for that too, but um, just never found anything that felt right. So I'm fine to stay here. It's it's whatever. I am currently working on some new digital products. I have a course that I'm building. I have this really cool organization class. It's going to be free that mm -hmm. I'm filming with a friend of mine, which is going to kick off a couple of membership groups that I'm doing. So mm -hmm. those are in the works right now. They're not up yet, but we are working on those at the moment. We, we invested in a... Uh, I don't know what to call it, um, a software company, a startup software company, like a tech startup. So we put some money there. You know, we'll see how that goes, I guess. Tell me more about your investing strategy. Now, I have to give the disclosure, not financial advisors. We don't give out investing advice and we aren't going to give out specifics about what we're personally investing in. I mean, people know what I'm investing in because they just log into my investor portal and they can invest in the same stuff. Because I'm always like, if you have a hustle, do the hustle. And then the extra money, you got to live below your means and take that extra money and invest. And most entrepreneurs have a hard time doing that because they want to invest everything back into their business. Or like I said, they just say, if I want more money, go make more money. So that business strategy and how that feeds into the investment strategy and your current kind of philosophy mindset on where you're going. So where do you see yourself moving right now? 
Okay, let's do business first. So since my main job as a content creator has mm -hmm. low overhead, I oh, do wow. end up with a good amount of excess that stays within the business account that I okay. do not pay out to myself. So what I do with that is that's where I buy the properties. That's where I invest mm -hmm. in the tech startup. So I can branch out into other things. So I would say those are the two main ones that I do is small business startups and real estate mm -hmm. out of the business. And then as far as personal goes, we do some of your standards. You know, you do the IRAs, we do yeah. 401ks, we do that kind of thing. But I've also started just brokerage accounts. I've done a few single stocks mm -hmm. that yeah. have done very badly. I'm not good <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm I'm horrible at those like day trading. No, uh, pass. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just I, I threw a couple thousand dollars in there just for fun. Because I was like, I wonder what would happen. Well, as it turns out, nothing good. Nothing good happens. <laughs> so so I stopped doing single stocks. I definitely do mutual funds. I'm a big fan of mutual funds. Um, I put a good amount in there every month. I love it when the market crashes a little because I'm like, yes, everything is on sale. I can get more shares. Mm -hmm. So those are big priorities of mine. Like when I do my personal monthly budget, obviously I pay my bills, but my house is paid off mm -hmm. and my cars are paid off and we don't go out to eat. And I don't know what do normal people do. What do normal people spend their money on? Oh goodness. Houses they can't afford car payments. That's the big one. So don't have any of those. Yeah. Lodging, food, both eating out the and bill is low. And then the next would be the car payment. Yeah. So those are the three big biggest expenses that we went after when we were trying to mm -hmm. gain financial freedom it's kind of like the big rocks and then if you put the sand in first you're never going to fit your big rocks in so mm -hmm. we, we came around and looked at it like what's our biggest expense and just started chipping away from the top down because honestly like cutting out a 25 dollar a month you know disney plus or whatever that's not <laughs> that's not going to move the needle right right it moves the needle a little can. but yeah if you have enough of that kind of stuff you can move the needle but we were to the point where we had like nothing except like netflix i'm like cutting out netflix isn't going to move the needle here our house is too big you know our house is too expensive and i'm so glad so glad we moved out and rented it out and it's become one of our best performing rentals that we have that investor mindset again where you're kind of looking at the division of time between managing, say, your rental portfolio and managing your content creation business, it's like, do you find those to be competing priorities? Or does it take like iron time management planning? Or, or how do you how do you make all those together? Because I'm really big into double dipping. If I'm going to do one thing, I'm going to do two things. I don't know. How do you fit that all in? For me, the rental properties don't take a lot of energy at the moment. Um, as far almost everything is automated. So I don't have to collect a rent check. I don't have to pay it. I don't have to do utility. Like everything is automated. Mm -hmm. So as far as the monthly goes, it's zero. The only difference is if something breaks. When no. something goes wrong, that's a problem. So I have one tenant who is amazing at fixing their own problems. Mm -hmm. Garage door broke. They called the garage door repairman, got him over there, paid it. I reimbursed them. It, yeah. it was fantastic so i have one that like basically takes care of all their own stuff and you know what on that property i give them full freedom they're like can i put bees in my backyard and i'm like sure <laughs> they got a permit from the city uh -huh. they wanted chickens they got a permit from the city for the chick like they just did all of it i'm like i don't care yeah go for it yeah there's a 
tenant empowerment philosophy that I came across right when I bought my first rental. And I've really taken that to heart. For my plumber, I use an online plumber where they can get on and schedule their own uh, appointment. And then the plumber just calls me to authorize the charges because I don't want to have to be the go-between between between getting a plumber. It costs me more to use this particular online scheduler, but it saves me so much time and it's cheaper than property management companies. Yeah, true. I, I feel like, I don't know if this is true for you. I feel like I've replaced every single appliance in both of our properties, yeah. like every single one of them. It's absolutely ridiculous. So I think I had purchased a new, I don't remember, dishwasher, I guess. And I had them deliver it straight to, you know, we're calling the tenant. We're like, okay, a new dishwasher's on its way. It'll be there tomorrow at noon. My husband's super handy. So he actually does a lot of the handyman stuff. And he was like, okay, I can come over and be there or I can come later that day. And the tenant was like, actually, I can put it in. And we were like, <laughs> oh, okay, put it in. Sure. <laughs> we've looked out. We've had some really great tenants. That's the importance of screening. Yeah. Well, that tenant empowerment goes a long way to, to helping that business run a little bit more smoothly and allows us to get an extra property or two before we kind of get full. I, I hate renting them out because I have to go show them and, mm-hmm. and, and deal with all of that. So self-managing the properties that are nearby and then turning them over to a property manager when they're farther away has yeah. really helped. I don't I don't want to keep all my rentals closed because I don't feel like the market that we're in in Salt Lake is is great. The houses are expensive and the rent's not that high. So yeah, I feel like I, have, I feel the same where I am. That's kind of one of the reasons we shifted over to commercial because I, I needed a team of people and I needed mm-hmm. a property manager and kind of just value. That's where we were able to shift over to kind of take me into the future a little bit, like maybe five or 10 years. Share with me, how do you do your goal setting for the future? I tend to go with like, I want to buy one property per year in the next blah, blah, blah years, right? Right. So this year I'm behind because I haven't bought any this year, except for that one I almost bought and then we we lost it. Wah, wah. So (laughs) I'm, I'm always looking for property. Always. Like weekly looking for property. I'm pretty risk adverse because when I look at deals, I see potentially everything that could go wrong. Mm-hmm. Instead of all the things that could go right, everything that could go wrong. So it's hard for me personally to be like a big go-to business person. Does mm-hmm. that make sense? Like, like I'm not a risk taker. My brother-in-law is a risk taker. And he went nutso on his business buying. It was probably 15 years ago. He was so stressed out. He couldn't sleep. He put on a ton of weight because he leveraged all these things. Well, guess what? 15 years later, he is freaking wealthy. I don't even know how much money he owns in all of these businesses, but he has worked them so beautifully that it has paid off. And I didn't have that vision like he did back then. Like I'm just kind of starting the way he did. I guess he just had a different mindset and wasn't scared to fail. Mm. That's the thing. Like, are we scared to fail? I know people that have done businesses and lost everything and came back. Yes better they come back so, better yeah they come back better so <laughs> sometimes you have to play the game like what's the worst thing that could happen okay so for example let's say i bought a a fourplex okay there's a fourplex down the down the street for sale right now it's way too expensive for what it is it is it which is why it's been sitting there for months and months and months but it is a fourplex let's just say it costs $3000 a month to maintain Let's just say that's probably on the low side based on prices right now, but let's just say that. And let's say we don't get any renters in it for a year, which seems really unlikely, right? Zero percent 
like oh, rental no. people in a fourplex probably in a not fourplex, probably not but let's just say let's just say it is okay so you what's that thirty six thousand dollars that you need to pay in the span of one year to maintain to float that property mm-hmm. with no income at all yeah and then i look at my business account and i think can i can i afford the float for a year yeah actually i could yeah so it becomes much less scary when i break down the actual numbers thinking about what if it all goes to crap well okay so i i just want to back up a little bit for the listener i just want you to say that again it's not so scary when you break down the numbers yeah yeah it's not it's it's not as scary when you break down the reality because i think we do this like what if everything hits the fan and the world explodes and my shoes are on fire and there's lava everywhere okay but in reality that's super unlikely really really unlikely every real estate conference or club i go to they talk about don't be an emotional buyer don't buy Mm -hmm. on emotion don't buy on emotion and I think the best way to not buy on emotion is to do your numbers. You're mm-hmm. suddenly a property that you love when you run the numbers. You're like, oh, this is going to cost me this much money a month. Suddenly you're not emotionally attached to it anymore. So people who buy on emotion are people who don't know their actual numbers. You're probably the opposite. Instead of buying on emotion, you're more like me where you're not buying on emotion because there's mm-hmm. fear there because we're risk averse because we're probably more investors than we are entrepreneurs. It, probably, it, it, yes. We're frugal and we're always thinking long term. But you can buy on knowledge, worst case scenario, mm-hmm. numbers, knowledge. And I think that, man, if I could just if I could just put that in a course and charge a zillion dollars for it, right? Yes. Yes, buy my course. Link below. <laughs> Given that you are more of a long-term planner and you are a little bit more of that thought process where you actually care to learn your numbers, right? Because you're not going to get caught up in the emotion and the excitement of something. You're going to take a minute. I think the the biggest thing I learned, I was reading um, Dave Ramsey's Entree Leadership, and he was talking about like that dumb moment when he made an emergency fund for his business, because he always talks about an emergency fund for your personal finances, but he never really thought about doing it in his business. That opened up this sense of freedom. Like, wait, I can have an emergency fund for a rental property or a business. And suddenly I was able to start thinking a lot bigger and planning my future out. Like, I could actually retire early on passive income. Like everybody was telling me it's not true. It's a scam, all of this. But suddenly I was surrounded with all these people who were actually doing it because they had backup plans in place and they weren't afraid to take action. And so I think you really described that very beautifully, that how that's worked in your own business and your own investing. Well, if you want super specific, so here's kind of what my husband and I talk about. We we think 10 years from now, okay? 10 years from now, I'm 51, okay? Oh my gosh. <laughs> what did you say? I'm a lot older than you. I didn't realize that. Are you really? Older than you. How old are you? <laughs> 47. So, I would have never guessed. Yeah. Well, you know, I have a 25-year-old, so <laughs> Yeah, I do not. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so in 10 years I'll be 51, my husband will be 50 <laughs> something. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> We wanted to be able to enjoy life, not that we don't now, okay, but wanted to be able to enjoy life while we still had the energy to do so. Yes. Here's the truth. Could my husband quit his job now and would we be fine? Yes. We would be totally fine. The reason we have not is because I, okay, I know several content creators that are very successful whose husbands quit their jobs to come and work with and for the wife who is the content creator Mm -hmm. and 
75% of the time, it is a disaster. Oh. It, it just doesn't work. And so since I've seen how bad it can go, my husband has worked very hard to get into a position where his job's not very stressful anymore. Mm. He enjoys the people he works with. It's fun for him. He has a flexible vacation schedule. So for him, it's actually not stressful. And it's nice to give him purpose in, in yes. something that he does that's outside of what I do. So we are trying to create, I'm going to say cash flow. Let's go with cash flow. So in 10 years from now, we will have completely replaced his income okay, with cash flow in the form of properties or dividends or this tech startup that, I don't know, we could lose everything, Yeah, you know? If you diversify enough, again. Yeah, if you diversify enough, it's, it. we mm-hmm. went into that deal knowing we could lose every penny mm-hmm. of what we have invested. And the only reason we were okay with it is we were like, it would suck, but it wouldn't break us. So... Maybe that pans out. I don't know. But let's say we have six properties. They all cash flow. In 10 years, he quits his job. We live on the cash flow. All of our kids are basically gone at this point. We're empty nesters. Maybe we go RV life. I'm not actually sure. But we kind of, yeah, yeah. Let me know how that goes. We'll live on the cash flow for a few years until we can start pulling all the retirement accounts that we have also saved for. So basically I have 10 years to create enough cash flow to replace his income and replace like health insurance because he has pretty bomb health insurance. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I've noticed recently is mm-hmm. I went to a leadership conference and most of the people there were retired on their passive income. And I remember sitting back and saying, I feel like I've just leveled up <laughs> in life, right? With this network of people who are showing me that this is a real thing, that this is possible. And I think that when somebody like you says it, who is practical and frugal, talks about retiring on the cash flow from your investments. It, it's a very different thing than people talking about, oh, I want passive income so I can go retire on a beach in Mexico and never really understanding how to get there. So have you found that as your business has leveled up during this time, you're finding people who are doing what you want to be doing and rethinking things a little as you're upgrading your business network? A hundred percent. In the last three years, I've found an entirely new group of friends and network, which actually stemmed from hobbies. Mm. What I've noticed about all the people who own businesses is they do hobbies. And so a lot of them, I found them at the gym. Okay. They're really consistent at the gym. So Mm -hmm. I met a lot of them that way. And then we were like, oh, this is fun. You want to, you know, go run a Spartan together or whatever. And, you know, on the drive over, we're like, well, what do you do? What does your husband do? What do you guys do? And you learn all these things. And they're like, oh, let me introduce you to so-and-so. They really like hiking. So I meet these other people and and they own like five businesses that yep. they all started on their own and they don't work in them. Mm-hmm. They work on them, which means they have huge time flexibility. Yes. Huge. And it's several of them are older than me, the, you know, mid to late fifties, a lot yeah. of them. So they've been doing this their whole life and they're, they're reaping the benefits now. And you know what I noticed from watching all these people is they have fun hobbies. They have great friends. They're excellent mentors. They cheer on other people's successes because they know how much work it takes to make it. And they just want everyone else to be successful. They're not jealous at all. They want to help everybody. And they have so much free time. Some of my friends travel so much. Like right now they're on a cruise in Europe and they've done like Switzerland and Mm -hmm. Amsterdam. I don't even remember all the places that they went to. I know they saw the Matterhorn. 
because I saw pictures. But but I'm saying they have the time because they have built all of their businesses to be self-sustaining at this point, that they're living this amazing life at what, 55, 56? And I'm like, well, that's fantastic. And what they do is they actually cultivate a group of people to support. So even though their kids are up and gone, what they do is they they reach out to people like me and pull them under their wing and teach them all that they know, support them in their journey. So they've created basically a new family of people. People that own businesses, they're willing to share all of their knowledge. They are. You just have to find them. And they get really nitty gritty on it too. It's like we were talking before we started recording about how we tend not to talk about money in our society. But what I found is when I'm in a leadership group or a mastermind, especially if they're older and retired entrepreneurs who are now successful investors, they get very detailed on how much Mm -hmm. money they were making, how much they are making, what they sold their business for, what they turned that into. And it's really opened my mind into thinking a little bit bigger. And they give me nuts and bolts without expecting anything back. I'm like, why are you here? Why are you at this conference? Like you're retired. Like I just really enjoy being around people who are trying to improve their lives. Like, okay. (laughs) They're like, I find great deals here too, because they're meeting people who are doing deals that they can passively invest in. So, okay, you mentioned earlier that you love traveling. Yes, I do love. And so tell me a little bit about uh, some of your travel plans that you would love to go see. Maybe a couple bucket list items or do you have anything uh, in planning right now? Uh, We have some that we've done and Mm -hmm. then some on the bucket list that aren't scheduled yet, but we're excited about. So some of the ones that we've done, and I even made videos. They're horrible videos, horrible (laughs) camera, bad editing But I did some videos on when we went to the Dominican Republic for 10 days, my husband and I. And we did that so cheap. I think we spent less than $2,000 on that entire trip. For two weeks? Yeah, basically. Wow. I know. And then we did this one trip to Merida, Mexico. So it's in the Yucatan, but it's not the Cancun side. It's on the other side. So it's actually a really popular tourist destination for people who live in Mexico, um, yep. not really Americans. But mm-hmm. my husband speaks Spanish, so it's nice to have that. That's the benefit. Okay. But yeah. we did that trip probably about $1,600 for a week. Wow. We did so much stuff. We ate all of the things. It was amazing. And then, of course, that was just my husband and I. But as we do things where we take kids, I try and find things that are cheap, like national parks we love to mountain bike and hike so mm-hmm. we find places where we can take those things and do them we did we did a family reunion in moab utah it's one of my favorite places on earth and the housing there is very expensive because it's so touristy yep. but if you camp it's <laughs> way way cheaper and my husband and i did just buy an rv this summer mm-hmm. not an rv it's a it's a bumper pull travel trailer it's not an RV. There's no motor in it. Uh, yeah. But what we learned in, we're newbies at those. So we've, it's a big learning curve this summer, but we've been out a ton. I have found all the dispersed camping sites. I have found excellent ways to cook. I have found a way to monitor our water usage so we can dry camp for four or five days with my kids and have an amazing time on almost nothing. And sometimes people are like, well, what about the insurance? Well, what about storing it? Well, what about gas what about blah blah like they add in all of these things you're not saying it's free you're just trying to get more for less whatever that is for somebody who was making no money they're more for less is going to be finding it's you know the free slurpee on tuesdays but when when you start actually having success in your business you're still doing more with less you just get to do more of it 
Right, right. Uh, so those are some of the things. Oh my gosh, we've had so many fun trips. I subscribe to one of those things that send you free airplane tickets or not free, oh, yeah. but cheap, like cheap mm-hmm. flights subscriptions. So I get emails when they give me flight information. Yeah. I saw one today. It was to Key West. It was $200 round trip. And I was like, well, we should go to Key West. I mean, at <laughs> these prices. But we did, it was two years ago now. I can't even believe how long ago it was. That same subscription site gave me tickets from Salt Lake to Fort Lauderdale, $115 round trip direct. So I bought them and I took my whole family to Fort Lauderdale. We rented a car and we drove all the way down to Key West and all the way back. And the whole trip was like, find yummy food and eat it and stop at every beach we can find. The beaches are free. It was an amazing trip. It's mm-hmm. it's one of our top trips my kids say that we've ever done, like ever. Before we wrap this up, I just want to ask you real quick because I know, I know you tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, you're not really into credit cards. So are you doing any credit card hacking for your travel stuff? We do some credit card points hacking because I feel like I've never been in trouble with a credit card before, so. Right, I'm, I'm the same as you. I am a credit card hacker also. I've done a couple of videos right. on it. Um, this is not for people who struggle with impulse control. Do not. At all. Absolutely we not. We don't, we're investors. Uh, we have Right, I'm an investor. And we if I can, <laughs> if I can use a credit card to buy gas and groceries, which I was going to do anyway, and I'm excellent on my, on my budget, yes. and they're gonna give me free plane tickets for using yeah. it for a few months. Well, why wouldn't I do that? In yeah. fact, let's talk about future trips, shall we? Yes. So one of my bucket list items is Machu Picchu. Haven't been yet. Uh, not in the works yet. Well, it was during 2020, but you know. It's we were going to go in 2022 and they canceled my trip. I can't I remember why. Oh, COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, right. Pandemic. That's what it was. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Another bucket list item is Reykjavik. We want to go to Iceland. My son that's wants to go fine. for his like senior trip. So that's that's on there. And then... I promised my daughter I would take her to Amsterdam to the Tulip Festival in the Netherlands. I'm always looking. We almost went this year. I saw flights for $600 and I couldn't talk myself into the 11 hour direct flight because that sounds awful. But this is what we are doing. So I just redeemed a bunch of credit card points for my free flights. Uh, We are going on a cruise. It's our first cruise we've ever taken. I'm just going to tell you that we booked it and the flights I paid zero, literally zero, nice. not even fees. Nice. I, I remember yeah. once when we first started credit card hacking, it was my birthday coming up and I heard that the World Cup Rugby Sevens was going to be in San Francisco and I wanted to go so bad for my birthday. And so I redeemed some credit card points and my husband and I flew over there and spent $20 on the airfare. Hey, I just got the World Cup and I think we spent like a couple hundred bucks or something on food at the stadium. Our hotel was was almost free. It was just a super, super low cost trip. And it was one of my highlight trips. So you don't have to spend a lot. You have to just be smart about it. I don't know if we told you we're actually going to be stationary moving to Orlando here. Let me know if you're in town and if you need somebody to show you around. I'm super excited about it. We asked my kids, like, where do you want to go? What's your ultimate trip? They don't like exercise, but three months hiking the Arizona trails. My daughter's the youngest finisher ever, right? Uh, She's a world record holder. And she's like, I hate hiking. I just want to do amusement parks. This is the only time they ever get any exercises walking around amusement parks. So I said, you know what? You hike the Arizona Trail. We're going to take you where you want to go. And they chose Orlando. So we're going to go spend a couple months there. It doesn't have to be exotic. It doesn't have to be expensive. You just have to be creative. And you're, you can get pretty far with thinking outside the box. All right, Christine, how do people find out more about you? 
So my main platform is YouTube. You can find me at Frugal Fit Mom on YouTube. If you just search it, it'll come up. I have that and the podcast. I have a video and audio on the podcast, Frugal Fit Mom podcast. So all my future projects, I'll be announcing in all of those places. And then, I don't know, if you're into recipes and cooking, I do have a website. It's frugalfitmom.com. That's kind of the name across everything. So you can just find me everywhere. I'm yeah. everywhere. You're on Instagram. Any other platforms they should check out? Oh, I'm, I'm really just... YouTube's the the big kahuna. Uh, I'm on Instagram a little bit. Really enjoying your stuff over there. It shows it's women power almost. You can be frugal and you can still have a ton of fun by earning more and spending more wisely. And it just really spoke to me in the way that I live my life as well. So appreciate you coming on the show and sharing with our listeners just how to think different, how to dream different, and how to make this kind of stuff a reality. Because a lot of people... They don't even believe it's a real thing and they don't believe that they can do it. So it's always great to talk to somebody who's making it happen. Oh, thank you. It's my pleasure. All right. Appreciate it. I feel energized just listening to that interview. She has such a passion and a zest for life and her ability to look at things in a positive way and figure out how she's going to make things work from going from a struggling wife of a school teacher and trying to feed her family on a, a really, really tight budget to being able to just think about what do I want in life? How do I want things to be different? How do I want to live? How do I want to teach my children how to live? And then she went out and she made it happen. And so I love to share these stories with you because the more we hear and the more we can learn from the people who are just a few steps ahead of us, the more inspired we're going to be and the more informed we're going to be to go out and really change our life situation. We would love to have you join Christine on her YouTube channel, Frugal Fit Mom, where she's going to be releasing an online course soon. You're going to want to sign up to get notifications for that. And we'd love to have you join us for our investing club on Monday nights at riseclubcapital.com, where we look at real deals and you're going to learn if it's a good deal, if it's a bad deal, either way, and network with other people who are like-minded. And if you'd like to look at the investments that we are actually making to live our early retirement passive income lifestyle, check out our fund at risecapitalinvestments.co and click on the Invest Now button to sign up for the portal and get notified when we have new investments coming along. Please reach out to me after the show and let's have a conversation about how you can plan to have more passive income, more streams of income, and live the lifestyle that you've always wanted. 